I'll go 100% more viral press conference moments than wins <laughs> in Detroit. I don't think I don't even think it's a it's a contest. As you know, football is right around the corner, and you need to get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code WINGO to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game and get a free shot at a million top prize with your first deposit. That's promo code WINGO for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Hey everybody, what's up? Trey Wingo here. Welcome into this special preview edition of the Chop Shop. We are delighted to be with you today as we get set to take a look at what we think and hope will happen uh, in the 2021 NFL season. This specific episode is about the NFC. It's brought to you by DraftKings. We're excited to be here and I'm excited to talk to friends of mine who have been, you know, buddies for a long, long time in a, in a different inclination, in a different atmosphere, but we found a way again to put the band back together. Delighted to be joined by three-time Super Bowl champion Darren Woodson of the Dallas Cowboys, who will be in the Hall of Fame one day, and he made me the promise that I would be his inductor. So we just... That, yes, sir. We, we did make that promise. Yes, sir. We did. I will, we did. I will, will be bringing me I in. I will relieve you of that if you feel inclined to do somebody else, but I just wanted to put it out there. And then we're also <laughs> delighted to be by a Hall of Famer in my heart, ladies and gentlemen, three-time Super Bowl champion Mark Slareth. Boys, how are we? We are doing great. I'm doing great. I don't know about stink, but I'm doing absolutely phenomenal. As am I, always good to be back with you guys. I'm with you on the uh, Darren Woodson thing. Although, uh, as I've said many times about the Hall of Fame, uh, I hate going, but I love being there. Um, I will be there for you, Darren, when you go in. But um, I'm going to complain about it all the way uh, up until I get to your party. So I just want you to know that about me. Free drinks, bro. Exactly. Free drinks. Yeah. In other words, we're just going to be who we are, which is perfect. And, and that's mm-hmm. the entire point yeah. of what we're doing today. So, again, this uh, this Chop Shop preview edition of the 21, 2021 season is really all about uh, the NFC. So, so let's start here. Um, there are a lot of running backs that are coming back yeah. from either a major injury or a disappointing year, uh, especially in the NFC. You have Christian McCaffrey coming back from injury, Saquon Barkley coming back from injury, and Ezekiel Elliott coming back from injury to his pride. Uh, when you look yeah. at the things that he's done since he signed that massive contract a couple of seasons ago, uh, he was trending in the right direction until he signed. And since he signed that big deal, Darren, let's just be honest about it. Zeke hasn't been what Dallas needed him to be. Yeah. What We see him in hard knocks this year. What are your expectations for what Zeke can be in 2021? Look, I'm expecting a big year for Zeke and in, 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 in Rightfully so, because there's there's two things that I've seen this offseason. He's back in shape, and if you've seen Hard Knocks, you know that he's lost like 10 to 15 pounds, and he's been, he's taking this seriously in the offseason. He's been working out at DAC every day. I'm seeing him outside my window of my office every day, and he's running, looks good. And not only that, but now he has a healthy offensive line. Tyron Smith's coming back. Lyle Collins is coming back. Zach Barton's back healthy. If they can get back on the same page, and continue to play physical smash mouth football. And he has a back in Pollard, who's a guy who can give him some rest here and there. 
come in on second and third down, back, uh, second or third downs, give him some rest, and let it allow him to be healthy throughout the season, and in the end of the season, become that that guy that can just grind it out. I think Zeke's going is set up. If he can stay healthy, yeah. he's set up to have a really good season, and it's based off the guys that are around. Yeah, him. look. All of this is based on health, right? That's the one thing we always talk about yeah. in the summer. Listen, if everybody's healthy, this is what we expect. But Stinky brought up two specific things in terms of Zeke. And you, you mm-hmm. always talk about complimentary football and how it, you know, nobody does this on their own. In your opinion, if Zeke is going to be maximum Zeke again, the guy that the Cowboys were willing to give that contract to a running back, what's more important? That Dak stays healthy, which allows that dual threat of the passing game to go with the running game? Or what Darren alluded to, the health of that offensive line. Yeah, I think I think ultimately it comes down to Dak. I mean, that's Dak a hard pill you, for you to swallow as a you... former offensive lineman, but I appreciate you doing it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, obviously you, you got to have health up front. Um, offensive line play is so much more about the way the way your coordinator calls a game, yeah. um, and and the way your coordinator takes pressure off of those guys. Because let's face it. You know, Darren's going to love hearing this, but we're the worst athletes on the field as <laughs> offensive linemen. So, like, you have got to you have got to call a game to give us the opportunity to be aggressive, to take the passive out of playing that position. I always say, take the passive out of pass protection. So, when you couple that with Dak, his ability, his ability in the red zone to take more pressure off you because he does have the ability to be a runner, to run the uh, the zone read type of stuff, and then that wide receiving core that they have. Because they have legit three guys that can really play. And so, you know, my thought process there is that complementary nature, when we're doing that all together and and we're really taxing a defense and we're giving a defense a situation where, hey, man, it's third down and four and everything is on the table. What are you going to do? What are you going to try to take away? Because whatever it is, we're going to make you wrong. Then you've got a chance to be great. I, I'm with Darren on on uh, Zeke. I just think, you know, I, I think his pride was hurt. Yeah. I think he's reacted the right way yeah. to that. And let me just tell you, when you watch him, his ability to run over people, to run around people, his ability in pass protection, his even to catch the ball in the backfield. The guy is a complete player that we don't think of as a complete player because he's so devastatingly powerful when he runs the ball. This to me is, you know, this to me is his kind of get back to the top situation or get yeah. back to the top scenario. And I think he's done a great job um, of this offseason of getting himself right. right. Speaking of getting back to the top, that is obviously where Christian McCaffrey was in 2019 when he put together a 1,000, 1,000 mm. season, 1,000 yards rushing, 1,000 uh, yards receiving, got the injury in the first year uh, with head coach Matt Rule in Carolina in 2020, wasn't really much of a factor. So, Stink, Christian is a guy that you know very well. You obviously know his dad mm-hmm. very well from all the work you and time you guys have spent together in Denver. What are your expectations for McCaffrey? Because here's a guy who is as versatile as they get. And to me, if you're going to pay a running back in today's NFL, it's a Christian McCaffrey type back and a Zeke Elliott type back who is a threat in the receiving game as well as the running game. But he's a little bit smaller in terms of stature than uh, than Ezekiel Elliott. So wh- what are your expectations on McCaffrey with that offense now and Sam Darnold as his quarterback? Yeah, well, my expectations for him are huge in the way you, you use, you know, Christian McCaffrey. I mean, that guy has got... He's got a sublime skill set. I mean, the guy is, a, he's a legit wide receiver. I mean, he yeah. can play wide 116 receiver. 116 receptions in his 2019 thousand yard receiving season. Yeah. 
I called the game where he went over where where he broke his dad's his dad's all time reception. So his dad had I think uh, Eddie had like 102 catches in one season, and I was calling the game where Christian was at like 98, and he went over the 102. So I'm texting with Ed. And I'm like, you know, I mean, he's crushing you right now. You suck. You're like, I didn't realize you were no good. You know, you know how I'm in the booth calling the game, texting with that. Right. So it, it was one of those things. Like, I think that Matt rule came in last year and I love Matt, but he came in last year with a couple of things that he didn't realize. Like, I think one, he was going to lean heavily on Christian McCaffrey as any coach would do. You lose him. And now all of a sudden you've got to readjust, you know, two weeks into the season of what you're going to be and what you're going to do. And Matt said something to me um, during a production meeting last year that resonated with me. And I, I wrote it down and committed it to memory. If you have to scheme your running game every week, you don't have a running yeah. game. Uh, and yeah. and I was like, wow, that's powerful because you always, you know, you always have adjunct plays off of what you do, what your identity is to basically attack a weakness of a defense. But if every week you're like, I don't know what we are this week, then then you're nothing. And so I think this gives them an opportunity having a, a healthy Christian McCaffrey, not only to exploit people in the passing game, Darren, yeah. but also in the, in the run game. And it's a nightmare. Look, and you're right, Stink. If, you know, look, you have to identify who you are. But as you, as you look on the defensive side of the ball, if I'm playing against the Carolina Panthers, it's a nightmare because I don't know where what the matchup is going to be with McCaffrey. Is he going to be in the backfield? Is he going to motion out? If he motions out, am I going to have a linebacker on him? Am I going to have a safety on him? It's hard to always try to figure out what's going to happen and what position he's going to be in because he's going to explode. It doesn't matter who you're covering with. You're covering with a cornerback, and he's still – that's a good matchup. He's possibly going to win that matchup. So uh, just a dynamic back. And I'll say this about McCaffrey. There's, there's a lot of – big-time game changers, guys that can change the game in an instant. Yeah. McCaffrey's a guy who's always that home run hitter. He touches the ball. Unlike a lot of running backs, they may get you 12, they may get you 14. This guy, is a, he's a nightmare because when he touches the ball, he's a guy that can outrun you 70, 80 yards to, uh, to the end zone. So always got to be aware for him. Man. I think he's a phenomenal back. Well, Darren, when you mentioned a guy who can make big plays, that's clearly what Saquon Barkley was doing before his injury. The question for Saquon, though, and I'd love to get your opinion on this as a guy who's going to have to try and tackle those thighs uh, from the safety position. Saquon, it seems like his entire career has been either the boom play or a minimal play. It's, yeah. It seems like for Saquon, finding the middle ground is going to be the most important thing for him to help the Giants be as successful as they can. Yeah, and I totally agree with, with you, Trey. I think when you look at even making the comparison between McCaffrey and, and, and Saquon, McCaffrey understands like a five-yard, three-yard gain is a three-yard right. gain. It is what it is. I'm leaning forward. Saquon wants to make the home run hit every single time. And as a running back, you have to understand, look, there's times that I just need to get that extra yard and lean forward. And, and Saquon's idea is the way he looks at it is he touches the ball, he's got to make the big play. And a lot of times he's losing yards on plays that could be positives. Yeah. And that's a, that's a big influence, especially your offensive line, who's doing their job up front. They're expecting that two- to three-yard, four-yard gain, and now he's back in the backfield trying to make a guy miss dancing around. Saquon has to look at this, look at the game as, hey, look, I need to do my part. Yeah. And my part is to get that extra yard. Get, sometimes it's got to be physical. Sometimes i got to put my head down. I'm not going to be 
Barry Sanders on every play and looking for the home run hit. I just got to get that extra yard and be more of a team player in that concept. Stink, can the offensive line yeah, help I, him there? There's no question. Not only that, um, you know, the, the play calling. Yeah. Understanding what you are again, what you're not, how you're going to call plays. Daniel Jones has to be better. Yeah. He's got to be better to take some pressure off that running game. But I'm with Darren, you know, I, I, I say this all the time. There are a lot of coaches in this league that can't wait for the running game to fail. Yeah. Right? They, they can't. They can't wait to have three gains of two yards in a row and then yeah. screw it. We can't throw the ball. Let's throw – Yeah, I mean, we can't run the ball. Let's throw it every time. Because the the way you get hired by by – developing a young quarterback and throwing the football all over the football field, that's like Viagra to 80-year-old owners. They can't wait to get you and, and make you their head coach, right? I mean, they are just like, oh, my gosh, I got to get this guy. And, and the bottom line is it comes down to a mentality. When you, when you understand the value of a hard-nosed, physical, nasty two- or three-yard run – and what that does to the defense, Darren will tell you all the time, man, if I throw one over the top on Darren, he bites Jerry Rice in a double yeah. move. He bites on the, on the cut, and it goes over the top, and it's a 70-yard touchdown. Darren comes back to the sideline and goes, you got me? Shoot. If I line up and cram it down your throat at five yards of carry for 12 plays in a row, yeah. you want to see a conniption. Mike Zimmer would be on the sideline. You guys are—they're taking your souls, yeah, right? Exactly. Right. Yeah. That's ex- and that's exactly how you yeah. look at it. And and teams don't value that like they need to value yeah. that. Saquon needs to value the the beauty of a three-yard hard-nosed physical big pile run and what that does to the overall defense. And you'll hit those eighty-yarders yeah. later in the game. Because guys get stick, uh, sick and tired of putting their nose well, in Well, not there. only that, Darren, you can attest to this. Emmett Smith was in that great wall of Dallas was the same thing in the 90s. Mm-hmm. That three-yard gain in, in, the, in, the third, in the first quarter is a 17-yard yeah. gain in the fourth quarter. Absolutely. Because it wears you down. It, it, mentally, you break, like Stink said, you break down the defense mentality. You take their will. And I've been on that side of the ball. I hate to say it, yeah. but I've been on the side of the ball where teams were gashing us. And, you know, First quarter, yeah, we're getting some stops. They're leaning forward. It's a physical part of the game. And then those gains in the second half, because they've worn us down mentally and physically, now they're bigger gains. Now they're big-time big, big time home runs. Right. I mean, uh, Dar- hey, Darren Woodson, really quick. I mean, th- there was a game you oh, came hell. up to Denver. We, we scored. I knew this scored, was coming. Th- we I scored did. on uh, – we, well, TD, we took him out in the third quarter. He had like 190 <laughs> yards rushing. And I think we scored on all first seven possessions we had. I'm sure that you guys were yelling at each other on the sideline. Hey, it was cold that day. Yeah. I don't remember much. <laughs> that day. Darren, Darren if you don't mind, here's the comeback for you to that story. That's cool when you were in Denver with Terrell Davis. But now, Stink, you need to tell the story of what happened where you were warming up as a member of then the Washington Redskins mm, in Dallas, and yeah. you looked at the offense of the Cowboys put on the field, and what did you say to your teammates? Yeah. I, no, I said to myself, uh, I said, we don't have one guy on our offense that could start for the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys. I was like, I do believe we're getting our ass kicked today. And uh, we, we did. We got our ass kicked. I got you, Darren. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, Always. Bro. Always. Yeah. Sensei. Right. Much appreciation, Sensei. All right, let's let's move on to rookie quarterbacks in the NFC. And I'm going to extrapolate this out a little bit because there's really only two that were drafted high that expect to go. But I'm adding a third in there, uh, you know, anchors exemption, whatever you want to call it. Uh, if you if you listen to Twitter and social media accounts, Trey Lance, Justin Fields and Jordan Love are all going to the Hall of Fame after their first preseason yeah. game. They were amazing. Right. They were incredible. 
first of all, we need to let everybody know what preseason is and what it isn't, Stink, right? Like, these guys are not getting game plan for. There's not something that they're trying to see some exotic blitz scheme coming at them. They're asking you to make certain throws, and if you can make them, great. That doesn't mean what you see in the summer for these guys translates into the fall. Yeah, it doesn't at all. And I think one of the things that you have to look at, like, you know, I think the Justin Fields, you know, the the touchdown he threw, they threw that off a keeper boot action, and they call it, you know, a tight end hide or a tight end leak, right? Mm -hmm. He's blocking, 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 then he sneaks behind everybody, and nobody's covering him. I, I, you know, Darren and I can make that throw. Trey, you can make that throw. Probably. So, you know, that's that's good. That's a good scheme thing. I think I think the biggest difference for me in the preseason is. As you study tape, um, you know, Drew Locke throws an 80-yard touchdown to K.J. Hamler against Minnesota. He got a, a quarter's look at the beginning of the snap. He snaps it, runs the play action, turns his back to the defense, turns back around. They're still in quarters. The safety jumped up. It's a one-receiver route right down the middle. The corner doesn't stay on top. He's expecting help from the safety. The safety has no threat, and he just stops his feet. And everybody runs by and you throw a play and it looks dramatic. But I think the difference between preseason and, and regular season is in the preseason, what you see is what you get. Yeah. And we're just working on technique. We're working on leverages. We're working on, you know, things that you work on all the time. In the regular season, what you see pre-snap is never what we're playing post-snap. Yeah. And right. so there's a, there's a, a, a Darren can yeah. attest yeah. to it, that there's a big difference, right? Yeah, that's a huge dish. I remember my rookie year coming in with the Dallas Cowboys, Jimmy Johnson being the coach. And in the preseason, we played one coverage. You got your man, cover one. Yeah, That's it. Mm-hmm. We didn't play a zone coverage in the first three games of the preseason. It was because he wanted to see if we could cover man-to-man yeah. in, in the secondary. And the teams were gashing us against the run. We were isolated in one-on-one situations. And then when the season started, now we're running exotic blitzes and we're running zone packages and we're doubling guys. I mean, you're going to get as basic as vanilla coverage as you can possibly get throughout the preseason. Yeah, and the best example of this is the, during the game between the Patriots and the Washington football team. Uh, there was a play where Nikhil Harry looked like uh, he caught a ball that was set a drop and Bill Belichick was asked after the game, why didn't you challenge that? He's like, because I didn't feel like challenging it. You know, <laughs> in the regular <laughs> right. season, he challenged that. It was, quite frankly, more right. important for Bill Belichick to see if Mac Jones could make a throw on third and six than it is to decide whether or not that throw from Nikhil Harry was worth challenging. That's the different way you look at this. So uh, we talked about Fields. We talked about Trey Lance. Who, by the way, Trey struggled a little bit, let's be honest, outside that 80-yard touchdown pass. He looked mm-hmm. a little rougher uh, than some of the other rookie quarterbacks. There's another quarterback who's technically not a rookie, but I want to get into him as well, and that's Jordan Love, who played for the first time in 200-plus days because, remember, there was no preseason in 2020, and he didn't dress for a single game last year. Is there something that the Packers needed to see, perhaps that's more significant, out of Jordan Love in either of your opinions? Because we all know where this is headed uh, with Aaron Rodgers after this season. For Jordan Love, I mean, I think it's like that for any young quarterback, and I'm counting him as as a young quarterback. It's your ability to orchestrate the offense. It comes down to um, your ability to command the huddle, to look everybody in the eyes, to call the play without, you know, stumbling around, to get them to the line of scrimmage, to recognize the defense, to change the protection if you need to, 
and to execute the play, to know where everybody is. Like, it's not enough to know the route combinations. You've got to look at what defense they're playing and saying, okay, they've taken this away. Let me get to my check down over here. Let me get to my third read in the progression. And and the bottom line is if they're playing four under, three over the top, you got to know where every guy is supposed to be and where you're going to deliver the football, right? So these are basic things. Can you execute the basics here? That's what they're looking for with Jordan Love. That's what they're looking for in the preseason. Now, as you start to game plan, it gets more difficult and, and more exotic and all those things. But right now, it's just a matter of, hey, Jordan, can you do all these things that we're asking you to do? And um, and can you execute them properly? And I think that's really all you can all you can hope for if you're the Green Bay Packers to say, hey, at least we can count on him dressing for these games and maybe relieving Aaron Rodgers in a blowout. Um, either way, yeah. And I, is there another player, another quarterback under more pressure, a backup quarterback under more pressure than Jordan Love? No, I mean because everything he does is is under a microscope. Yeah. You know, he can't make a mistake. And because everyone as a Packers fan is going to compare him to one of the greatest quarterbacks to probably ever play the game in, uh, in Aaron Rodgers. And, and we all know what Aaron Rodgers can do. So anytime he's on the field, every snap that he takes is going to be an important snap. It's like a life or death. And they're assessing him to see if, you know, Aaron leaves next year. Can he be the guy? You know, can this be the guy that can, you know, Take on, like, he's coming from the Brett Favre to the Aaron Rodgers, and now it's possibly me that's going to, to take this, you know, franchise to the next level. But, you know, I, I just think this kid's under a ton of pressure, and he, he's got, I think you're right, Stink, the one thing he's going to have to do is, hey, look, relax, just breathe, and, and every snap that he takes, just make it his best. Yeah, listen, it, the, the pressure that the organization has put on him by trading up yes. in the first round to get him, I mean, it's going to happen sooner rather than later. So we'll see what the future holds for Jordan Love. The present, though, is about a couple of veterans that shifted teams to the NFC or shifted teams in the NFC uh, in this offseason. Uh, there are two of the bigger names out there. The most intriguing one to me is Matthew Stafford, who goes from Detroit where I don't think yeah. anybody fully appreciated how well he played the position to Sean McVay in that offense with the Rams. And, Darren, what's interesting about the Rams is they don't have a true one receiver, but their receiving right. core as a bunch is a bunch of really good twos. Uh, what are your expectations for Stafford as he goes to the Rams? Because the Rams basically said, we were a better quarterback away from maybe getting to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, I, look, I love for, for Matthew Stafford. I love it because yeah. now he's in a system with Sean McVay, and he's going to be running a lot more play action. It's going to be more dimensions to the game here. He's surrounded by some talent: Robert Woods, uh, Cooper Cup. And what I like about what McVay did this off, this offseason, and people probably will criticize this, but Deshaun Jackson comes in on the team. Yeah. And, you know, this is a play action type team. Deshaun Jackson has he's a one trick pony. He can get deep. And that's the one thing he can do. And Matthew Stafford has the arm strength a hose. to throw it a country mile. He could throw it a country mile. There's going to be opportunities, and I can see Sean McVay saying, hey, look, just throw it. Just throw it. And, and, and Deshaun's going to get there. I, I really like the decision to, to you know, bring in Matthew Stafford because I think he's, he has more dimensions to his game. Uh, and I think it adds a, a bonus to the fact that he can always try to make that big play down the field. So I'm, I'm happy for him. He's a local boy here in Dallas, right. man, running to him all the time. He's happy where he is right now in Los Angeles. Yeah, and, and in that in that offense that Sean McVay likes to run, whatever the best is of Matthew yeah. Stafford, you'll see it. 
Are we going to see yeah. the best stink out of J.J. Watt, who clearly, in my opinion, is the best player in the history of the Houston Texans franchise? He goes to a defensive line that still has Chandler Jones on the other side, but can J.J. Watt, where he is now in his career, be the difference maker that Arizona Cardinal fans think he might be? I think he'd be a difference maker. I don't know that he's going to be like. I think he'll pick his spots. He'll he he always plays exceptionally hard. Don't get me wrong, but I think there are spots where he's going to be great. Mm. Um, there will be games that he'll be great as you get older and as you wear down a little bit. Um, it's kind of like the Toby Keith song. I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm good once as I ever was. Yeah. So like he'll have his spots to create. He'll have his spots to be great. Um, he's a phenomenal football player. Don't it just, the guy is just incredible. Do I think he'll be full-time dominant like he was early in his career? No, but, but sometimes you don't need to be. Sometimes you just need to be consistent, steady, pick your spots where you're going to make big plays. I just like this division is so incredibly difficult to me, right? You just talked about Stafford, a quick Stafford story. Bruce Arians, I'm doing a Detroit-Tampa game last year. Bruce Arians goes, you watch. He goes, my fat ass never comes out of the locker room. The one guy I come out to watch play, to watch warm up, is Matthew Stafford. He goes, I just want to watch him throw the ball. I'll come out just to watch him warm up. (laughs) And he goes, he's one of the the toughest guys I've ever coached against. I I absolutely love him. That's, That's what the inside... The NFL, that's what people think of Matthew Stafford. Um, He just was saddled in Detroit where in 11 years, I think he had one 1,000-yard rusher. It was Reggie Bush who had like 1,002 yards. I mean, he just has never had a complete team. So this is a really interesting matchup. But I think J.J. Watt, coupled with Chandler Jones, if he's happy and, you know, on the other side, they've got a chance to do some special things as a pass rushing group. So um, I think that's pretty – I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, I want to, I want to piggyback off what you just said about Matt uh, about Matthew Stafford and and we were at the Pro Bowl in Hawaii a few years ago and uh, watching him practice and I was standing by the quarterbacks Matt Ryan was one of the backup one of the quarterbacks uh, Tony Romo was back there as well and Matthew Stafford was underneath center and you want to really judge who a quarterback is stand around other quarterbacks. Yep. And when they watched him throw the ball, all you could hear was, oh, my God. Yeah. I think, oh, shit. That's all you could – I mean, they were so they were so impressed by the arm strength and being able to throw off different levels that when you see other quarterbacks that are damn good quarterbacks saying those type of things, you know you got something special. Yeah, if you, if you listed mm-hmm. the arm arrogance as, like, the, you know, the guys who can make every throw in the league right now, it's obviously Mahomes, Allen Rodgers, and Matthew Stafford. Those are probably the top yeah. four guys in the league that just – Screw it. I got a hose. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this ball where it needs to be. Yeah, right. All right, why don't we take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll finish up our preview of the NFC with uh, six Super Bowl rings between the three of us. We'll be right back. <laughs> As you know, football is right around the corner, and you need to get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And with the NFL returning, DraftKings is doing this. They're giving you, new customers, $200 in free bets instantly when you bet $1 or more on any football game. Now listen up, because you don't want to miss this. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 or more on any week one game to receive $200 in free bets instantly. 
Sports books are not available in your state. DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. And for week one, DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at a $1 million top prize. Look, nothing adds to the excitement of watching a game quite like having a free shot at a million bucks. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code WINGO to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game and get a free shot at a million top prize with your first deposit. That's promo code WINGO for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Welcome back to our NFC Chop Shop Preview Edition. Trey Wingo here with Mark Slareth and Darren Woodson. So let's take an overarching look at what you think the most interesting storyline is going to be in the NFC. And if you don't mind, I'd like to go first here, just real quickly. I am fascinated, guys, by what's going to happen with the Washington football team because I think we saw a culture change that was much needed in the organization from top to bottom with Ron Rivera as the head coach, uh, our former colleague Jack Del Rio doing a really great job on the defensive side. They bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick who is never going to be the savior, but he's going to be a stabilizing force at quarterback. They won the division last year with guys you don't even want to know who they are outside of Alex Smith and the comeback player of the year uh, that he was able to secure by getting back and playing after that horrific leg injury. They get Jamin Davis out of the draft. The Washington football team has made a conscious choice, Mark. We are going to choke you out defensively and limit your points and just try and not turn the ball over and win. And I think... When people understand that Ryan usually turns the ball over a lot when he has to wing it, if he doesn't have to score a ton of points, I think he's a really interesting fit for the way this team wants to function. I do too, and I think you talk about culture change. You want to talk about a guy uh, that brings great culture, great excitement, great fun into your locker room? It's Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, Fitz Magic will do that for you. And believability in – you know, what he's doing, his ability to throw the ball, his ability to attack a defense, you know, his understanding. Um, this, is a, this is a very intriguing team. There's no question about that, Trey. Uh, and, and Ron Rivera has done a great job of, like you said, I think doing one of the hardest things there is to do in football, um, changing the culture of an organization. Yeah. And he holds guys accountable. You know, he's a former player that has a lot of respect. But they're going to be hard-nosed. They're going to play defense. They've got, you know, five defensive linemen across the board. They're all first-rounders. I mean, they, they are pretty they are pretty stout roster-wise, and I think Ron is the perfect guy to lead this football team. Well, I'll be negative, Eddie. Yeah. Here I go. Yeah. Look, mm-hmm. I, I think you're right. You know, Ron Rivera, defensive guy, defensive mind. Jack Del Rio, defensive mind. They, they, they solidified a lot of things on the defensive, uh, on the defensive side of the ball, and they are. They're going to be special. My question is, Offensively, are they dynamic enough with Ryan Fitz, with Fitz, Fitz Magic at the helm to get mm-hmm. far enough in the playoffs? Because there's going to, at some point through this season and in postseason, Fitz is going to have to win a game. Yep. He's going to have to. When you run up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're going to put points up. You're going to have to win a football game. Can he get the job done? At some, it's an offensive league, and I know I hate saying it, but you know yeah. I've always said defenses win championships. 
in the office is going to have to come around and put up some points at some point throughout the season. Right, so what's your favorite storylines? That, that was mine. What are, you, what are you guys looking at most? Uh, Stink, let's start with you in the NFC. You know, I, I just think it's so unique. And Darren and I have both been on, on championship teams. Uh, both of us has, have three championships. There's always turnover. Even on yeah. championship teams, there's turnover. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are bringing all 22 stars. Technically back. 23 uh, with Antonio I, Brown. And by the way, let's be clear. Not right. only did you guys champ, you guys both repeated, which is what the Bucs now are trying to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, this has never been done before to bring all 22 guys back. Like, it, it's pretty incredible. And let me just tell you, having done, mo- I think I did four Tampa games last year, um, this defensive roster, even though you may not know their secondary players, they can play. Yeah. I mean, they are yeah. they are legit. Ask Winfield Jr. Yeah, uh, yeah. Todd Bowles has done a great job of you know of complementing the players that he has and putting a system in where you think of them as blitzing all the time, but they're a real big first and second down pressure team. Get you into third down and six plus, and then just play off, you know, and 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 make you throw it underneath tackle guys. Yeah. He's done a great job of stealing downs. Um, and great compliment to what they do on the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, you got the GOAT who still is <laughs> who's still yeah. playing great football and Tom Brady. I think this is a fascinating football team. I think it's going to be a great football team. Look, I, my question to, about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, look, they're going to be trying to go 17, 18, 19, and 0. They're, I mean, they're, they're, they're going to want to try to make history. And when bringing all those players back, if they're still on the same page and the egos are out of the room and they have that ultimate goal, which Brady does a great job of making sure everybody's on the same page goal-wise, if they can get back there, man, I, I don't know, man. I, I think this team has a legitimate chance of, uh, of repeating and possibly going undefeated this season. Wow. Uh, listen, I, I, yeah, uh, yeah, we'll get into the AFC side again, but real quickly, I don't, if I'm looking at it honestly, I expect the same two teams to be in the Super Bowl. Uh, this year, yes. the last time that happened, Darren, was when you guys took down the Bills in Super Bowls 27 and 28 in back-to-back mm-hmm. years. Uh, okay, uh, we got a couple of questions for you from people on Twitter. Uh, one of them wants to know, uh, do we think all four teams from the NFC West will make the playoffs? I don't see that as a possibility because I think cannibalism takes uh, a toll on it, and I'm still not sold on Arizona. But uh, it wouldn't surprise me if two or potentially three mm. made it. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me either. I'm with you on Arizona. I, I just have a really tough time looking at that offense and saying there's a bit of a gimmick aspect mm-hmm. to it. When you're asking your quarterback to be, you know, right there as one of your leading rushers, um, like I always get, I always get to the point where red zone stuff becomes, you know, becomes a very interesting kind of aspect and I just don't think they can line up and uh, uh, essentially bully people in the red zone and and you have to be able to do that you know I've been studying um, some Niners film and listening to Kyle Shanahan talk about eight-man fronts and you know a lot of teams look at that as an excuse not to run the ball mm-hmm. he looks at it as an advantage because we've got the middle third player if we break our guy out you're one-on-one with a middle third player and the backs we have, that middle third player can't tackle him. He won't bring him down. And it's a fascinating change of mindset to where most coaches are like, 
And we're not running unless we get two high safety looks so we get a, you know, a favorable box. He's like, hey, I don't care about a favorable box. We're going to block it up. We'll turn a wide guy loose, and we're going to get one-on-one with that middle third player. We're going to crush him. I just don't think – I think Arizona, for me, offensively, is still a bit gimmicky, Mm -hmm. especially when you get down to the red zone. So I don't think they make the play. Darren, a question – I would agree. A question for you, Darren. At Chad underscore Shepard wants to know, as a former safety, what is your thoughts on the Jamal Adam extension? Uh, my take is he's a, he's a baller, and uh, I'm all in. Go Hawks. You know, some people really were upset, and they got safety's not an important position. I'm like, what are you talking about? Of course, safety, yeah. you control the middle of the field. Ask Derwin James if he's not important. Ask Minka Fitzpatrick if he's not oh. important. The question is, yeah. do we see Jamal as that kind of impact player? Look, I, I think he's different in a sense of, uh, of the two, two guys you just mentioned. Uh, look, Jamal Adams is a guy close to the line of scrimmage. You line him up close to the line of scrimmage, similar to a Cam Chancellor, yeah. similar to a guy that I played with in Roy Williams. They can dominate the game if you just tell them, hey, you go forward. Yeah. Move forward. Stop. Don't look at, look at you know, playing one-on-one with, play, uh, with, with receivers or running backs. I don't, I don't ask him to do that. I want him to bring pressure. I want him to stay around the line of scrimmage. I want him to be a good tackler. And, and he's a game changer when you ask him to do those things. And he's a guy that deserves it. Yeah. I mean, he's a guy who's played outside of himself. I and mean, you just look at his sacks over the last couple of seasons. He's always around the football and he plays with energy. And that's what you need in your leaders. Yeah. You know, it's funny talking to uh, just last year, talking uh, to the Seahawks and, and Pete Carroll. And Pete's just like, hey, listen, you know, he's going to make some mistakes in coverage. Yeah. But for every mistake he makes, he makes four game-changing plays. So he goes, we'll give up a mistake or two in coverage. And you're right, man. At the line of scrimmage as a blitzer, he's that guy when I was on offense that he was, you know, as soon as you break the huddle, you find him. And you say, okay, where is he? And and what is our plan to deal and contend with that dude? Because he is at the line of scrimmage. The guy is is a phenomenal football player. So you're saying he was Darren Woodson pretty much. That's what you're saying. There Pretty you much. Okay, just want to get that out there. All right, <laughs> yeah. One last question here before we wrap this up from One Pride Fifty Seven. This is actually a great question, and I know we don't have a lot of time left. Will Dan Campbell have more press conference moments or wins this season as the Lions head coach? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just mean. But I don't think there's any question, Darren. I, I you know, I'll, I'll, I'll defer to you, but. I'll go 100% more viral press conference moments than wins <laughs> in Detroit. I don't think I don't even think it's a it's a contest. Former teammate, man, yeah. love Dan, well, man but, Campbell, uh, yeah, man Campbell, man Campbell. But he's going to have more moments in front of the camera. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> the funny thing about a guy like Dan, right? I always go back to that line from Bull Durham uh, when Crash Davis is in the minors and he comes out and Ebby Calvin Nuclelushi is holding his his shower shoes and he says, "Your shower shoes have fungus on them." When you win 20 games in the show, they'll think you're colorful with shower shoes that have fungus on them. But until then, you're just disgusting. And, and I think, you know, yes. all the Dan Campbell bite kneecaps and he's out there doing burpees with yeah. his team. Like, all that's cute. If he wins, it's colorful. Yeah. It's character. Right. But if right. he loses, they're like, what an idiot. Like, it, you know, yeah. it, it, it's all defined by whether or not you win or lose, how we perceive all that other crap. Absolutely, but you know what? I will. Uh, I won't hesitate to be entertained by all the other exactly. crap because uh, it's and, fun. Yeah. It's and fun his ability to drink copious amounts of coffee, which is think something I know you do also. Uh, yes. Guys, this has been great. Uh, Darren, always good to catch up with you with my friend. Thank you, brother. 
So thanks to my good friend Darren Woodson and soon-to-be Hall of Famer for joining us on our NFC preview. Uh, always good to chop it up with number 28, leading tackler in Cowboy history, by the way. Hey, don't forget, you're going to get bonus episodes this week. Not only do you get your regular episode of Half Forgotten History, but coming up next, we're going to drop an episode previewing the AFC as well in 2021.